There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. An Erio's original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. Aftermath. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of The Aftermath. Today, we're speaking with guest expert, Dr. Edward Overton. Dr. Overton is a professor emeritus at Louisiana State University in the Department of Environmental Sciences. Dr. Overton's research interests include understanding the fates and distributions of hydrocarbons following an oil spill, the environmental chemistry of hazardous chemicals, and the detection of environmental pollutants at the site of sample collection. Let's hear what he has to say about the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. Hi, Professor Overton. Thank you so much for joining us today. Nice to be here. So could you start off by giving us a rundown of something very basic that I'm sure many of us still don't understand? What is oil and how is it mined? (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, the carbon that makes up oil started off as carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, right? And then all of the plants that that grow, they get the carbon out of the atmosphere and turn it into plant material. I call that biomass. And then that biomass is is all of us, the living plants, the grass, the trees, the leaves, the fish, the plankton, all of that is is called biomass. And of course, we go through a life cycle and uh, with this plant material 
in the oceans. It dies, it sinks to the bottom, it gets covered up with sediment, and over millions, and I mean millions and millions of years, gets heated up and turns into the hydrocarbons that make up oil. And uh, those hydrocarbons are less dense than water down in the ground, and they tend to rise up through the water way, way down in the ground until they hit a cap rock and can't rise any further, and they pool there and uh, pool in the, in the sediments uh, uh, thousands of feet below the ground. And uh, we now know that we can find these pools of oil and drill down into them and bring up the liquid oil and refine it into the fossil fuels that, that we currently enjoy in today's world. Right. In California, I'm sure you appreciate <laughs> the use of fossil fuels with all the cars on your freeways. That's right. That's right. And and you're making progress towards electric vehicles, too. Yes, yes. So, I, I mean, thank you for that description. It's probably the best I've heard. Um, <laughs> um, so how much of the oil used in the United States comes from drilling in the Gulf of Mexico? I don't have the exact numbers, but it is a substantial amount. Now, we also have drilling... In, in lots of Pennsylvania, for example, uh, out west, up in Canada, uh, North Carolina, of course, Louisiana, Texas, Oklahoma, uh, uh, some down in the Ar uh, Arizona basin, I think. So we have a lot of onshore drilling as well as offshore. And we've got offshore off the California coast uh, and uh, uh, primarily in the Gulf of Mexico. I'm not aware of any wells offshore on the Atlantic seaboard. Okay, gotcha. Uh, could you give us a little background on the, the company, BP? What is their history, and, and when did they start drilling off the southern coast of the U.S.? Uh, I, again, I'm not uh, totally aware of when they started. Uh, it is incredibly expensive to drill in deep water. I mean, these drilling rigs are upwards of a half billion dollars, just the cost of the rig. Right. And uh, and so it takes a company with uh, lots of financial resources to actually go offshore and drill in these these deep environments. Not only after you drill, then you got to get the oil onshore to refinery. So it's a it's an incredibly complex operation and it requires companies with uh, deep pockets, Exxon Mobil, Shell, BP, companies of this magnitude to drill offshore. Why would someone uh, choose to drill offshore if you could drill on the land? Well, they certainly would drill on the land first. But, you know, the, the, the people have been drilling on the land for a long time. And a lot of the uh, large reservoirs, the discoveries have uh, have dried up or other people have gotten them. So they basically run out of, of good, big uh, drilling opportunities on land. Now, small uh, independent refiners can find these small pockets and, and drill, but the big the big opportunities uh, are are in the offshore reservoirs, deep deep water reservoirs too. Not only just offshore, all of the nearshore reservoirs have been pretty well depleted, and so now they're having to move into deeper water. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like the gold rush. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's a lot like the gold rush. Right. So uh, around 2009, BP starts exploring the prospect of uh, drilling in the Macondo Prospect. Uh, where is that and how does this unfold? Well, 
a, a lot of effort goes into trying to find where these prospects are and where that, that remember I mentioned the oil seeps up to, to a reservoir that contains oil. So they go out and do what is called seismic surveys. These are very expensive uh, sonar uh, uh, investigations into the earth below the waterline. And so they, they find possible optimistic products. They lease that, uh, that plot of land from the Bureau of Land Management. Uh, so, the, so Bessie has to approve it. They, so they, they have to, to buy the lease. Then they got to raise the money to move the platform in. The, the platform that does the work, that drills the well, is different from the platform that pulls the oil out. So they have drilling platforms. They move these things in, and, and that was a tragedy of, of this event. One of the tragedies, of, of the many tragedies, was that, that basically they were finished drilling the well, and they were closing it up and getting ready to move off-site so that the production platform could move in and get the oil out of the ground. And, of course, the, the well blew out. They, they were unsuccessful at stopping the, the, uh, the well. Remember, the well is in a mile deep water. And the oil is two miles below that. So you're, you, from the surface of the, of the water, you've got to go down almost three miles. So this was a, a, a very, very complex, difficult operation. And a number of things happened. I'm not an expert on well design, but it wasn't any one thing. But, uh, but all of those small incidences, when they coincide together, uh, resulted in and this cement plug not holding, and it blew out, killed 11 people, of course, destroyed the rig, and uh, was, uh, was the largest oil spill in U.S. maritime history. So I'm not sure if you can even answer this question, because I know you're not a drill ex uh, well expert, but what is this blowout preventer that supposedly, or, or that we know was the, uh, the apparatus that's you know, right. it's, it, it's a it's a safety system that uh, after they drill the well, they install this gadget. It's it's a it's a very large, expensive gadget, and it's got some rams that stick out from the side. The pipe goes up the middle of it, and uh, if there is uh, a blowout, you can you can send a signal down there, and these rams are supposed to close shut and stop the oil the flow of oil through the uh, blowout preventer. In other words, it's a safety shutoff valve. Uh, what happened is, as I appreciated, is that, you know, oil pipe is, has to be screwed together, right? So you got this long pipe and then the next section gets screwed on. Well, one of those sections where it's screwed is, is a little more beefy than the rest of the pipe. That was kind of right in the middle of the blowout preventer and the rams just weren't able to completely shut the uh, the well off, as I appreciate one of the things that happened. That was one of those little, remember I said, if that little little section hadn't been there, the rams would have probably worked, right? The, so the, there's a, the series of rams, and these are called the blowout preventer. And then from the top of the blowout preventer up to the, to the ocean is a pipe called a riser pipe that brings the oil from the, uh, the well, the, the well on the bottom of the ocean all the way up to the surface. So did any of the employees, the people that were working up in the surface, um, did they have any uh, sign that something was going wrong underneath the surface? Apparently they did. Again, uh, this has been thoroughly investigated 
by the safety officials, and that's not my area of expertise. But but there was some uh, uh, they read the pressures down in there, and I guess there was some conflicting information. Some of the gauges said the pressure's okay, and some of them said no. And while they were trying to figure out which one of the gauges was right, uh, the well blew out. So. So how many of barrels of oil began spilling into the ocean, and uh, did they try to stop the spill? Well, once once the spill started, you know, you lost the well. I mean, the oil blew up. Uh, the the uh, power generating uh, engines in the in the platform on the surface, uh, you, you know, you've got natural gas and oil going up there, and that was an explosive environment. You had an explosion. Uh, lots of fire and, and fuel from the oil. And so the, the platform uh, was on fire. People abandoned it. They jumped into the water. And luckily, there was some, some uh, work vessels fairly nearby that could come in and help rescue these, these poor folks. Uh, but the, the, uh, they had to, to there, there was no shutting it off after that. In other words, wow. once you know, the, the vessel was on fire, there was nobody in the control room. Uh, it was, it lost its ability. It, it has propellers that hold it in place. You know, it's not, not attached to the bottom. And once you lost power, those, the, the rig started drifting and there's currents out there that move it around. And of course the riser pack broke and, and the, the well sunk and, uh, the riser fell over and initially it was leaking, not only at the blowout preventer, but at, at kinks in the riser piping. Mm. So it was a big bloody mess, I'll tell you that. And so, uh, how how does the uh, how massive was the spill? Well, roughly uh, the estimates are around sixty thousand barrels. Now, a barrel is forty two gallons, right? So, so remember, we're the the oil industry uh, uh, turns of volume uses barrels rather than gallons. But if you say a barrel, multiply by forty two to get the gallons. Right. Okay. So 66,000 barrels times 42. That's a lot of oil. And, you know, once they, they, it started leaking, the only really way to stop the well is to drill another well all the way down that two miles deep and another two miles intersect part of the, the well. And they can do this very accurately with modern technology and pump more, more concrete down in the uh, piping. Right. Now that takes a long time. That that wow. took it took till uh, uh, September actually before they actually see, completely sealed seal the well. They made a lot of efforts to stop the well by putting things down the blowout preventer. They tried to use drilling mud, uh, anything that they could find to slow the well. Most of those were pretty uh, uh, not very effective. It's it's stopping. Ultimately, they put a second blowout preventer. They had they had had to get one built, and they took it down there and they put it on top of the blowout preventer, as I appreciate it. And that that stopped the flow. The the, the flow started on April twenty second and ended July fifteenth. So that was frankly that was remarkable. I thought it would take them six months, and so it it they they managed to to stop the flow after uh, three months, uh, which was a lot quicker than I ever dreamed they could do it. I thought. We were in for a mess for, for oil going into the environment for up to six months or so, because that's the that's the amount of time it takes to bring in 
and drill the intervention wells is what they call them, the new wells to 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 inter intersect the the piping way down in the earth's surface, pump uh, oil into it, uh, not oil, but pump uh, concrete into it, special concrete. Can you help us understand how oil uh, manifests once it's begun spilling into the ocean? How does it affect the environment? Well, it does it, of course, in a lot of ways. Now, interestingly, oil, remember, it's a natural product. I mean, we when we talk about pollution, we, we really think of a lot of man-made chemicals like uh, the chlorinated pesticides, DDT, for example, or our experience in uh, polychlorinated biphenyls. Uh, we, we hear a lot about uh, uh, chlorocarbons that in, in the atmosphere, in the ozone hole. All of these are chemicals that are not natural. They're man-made. Oil is natural. It, it, it is a natural product. And in fact, when oil gets in the ocean, and, and it does, it seeps up. It seeps up off the coast of uh, California out near Santa Barbara. You can fly over there. That's a natural seep. Humans didn't cause that. And, and there's lots of natural seeps in the Gulf of Mexico. But that is putting oil into the Gulf at a very slow rate. So the bacteria and the animals can assimilate. Bacteria use oil as food. Right. Uh. So there's, a, there's any number of bacteria that can convert oil into more bacteria and carbon dioxide, of course. But but as they as they grow, they metabolize the oil. It becomes more bacteria and and uh, the products of metabolism, which is carbon dioxide back into the atmosphere. Right. But the, the, a blowout is too much oil in a short period of time. So the the, the environment cannot assimilate that very quickly. Uh, in this particular spill, we had we had a deep water spill. Some of the oil was retained in the deep water down uh, roughly uh, uh, several hundred feet above the sea floor. Uh, it, it came out as, as as we saw in the videos as discussions. It looked like a lot of muddy water. Now it wasn't really muddy water. It was water and oil mixed together, and that jetted out and it went up a couple of hundred meters, and the jet slowed down. The tiny, tiny droplets uh, moved away. They, the, the, if you're, if it's a really tiny droplet, it can't float through the water column very quickly, right? The big droplets are are, are buoyant and they're going to come bloop. But it, you know, a mile it it took them three to four hours for for the bigger droplets, the droplets roughly the size of the end of your thumb, for example, to get to the surface. But the tiny droplets, the size of of your human hair, the diameter of the human hair, don't can't rise that quickly, and so they just get pushed away. So we had a deep water spill, and then the rest of the oil went to the surface. It spread out. A lot of it evaporated. Um, upwards of maybe forty percent of the hydrocarbons in the oil evaporated once it got to the surface. It spread out, moved around. The sunlight started changing the oil. We oh. call that weathering. Uh, so the oil gets changed dramatically once it gets to the surface. And, of course, in, in all of these areas, if, if there are animals around, those animals get impacted by the oil, either from ingestion of the hydrocarbons dissolved in the water column or getting coated. You see the birds that are coated. And, and what happens to the poor birds, the feathers are, are the, uh, the clothes for the bird. It protects them from the environment. And, and it loses its thermal isolation capability. And of course, uh, and then the birds try to clean themselves by preening. 
and that mm. uh, pruning, it, they ingest the oil. And of course, then the livers in the animals uh, cause problems. So there's, there's a number of ways that uh, it, can, it can change it. Generally, there are, there's about 1% of the oil are compounds that we think are pretty toxic. 99% are not too toxic. They'll cover, they'll smother, uh, they're annoying, but they're not particularly toxic. But that 1% can cause lots of problems if you are ingesting it, you know, because toxic compounds can cause their effect at very low concentrations, right? So you've got a toxic effect, you've got a covering and smothering effect. Uh, oil uh, is degraded by the bacteria, but the bacteria need oxygen to, to grow. And so when they degrade oil, they remove the oxygen from uh, certain environments. And that means that other fish and other animals don't have enough oxygen. So the three main ways that oil spills cause is some, some sort of toxic interaction or covering and smothering like the birds, uh-huh. seagrass uh, along the coastline that, that the oil has covered those, the grass can't function correctly. So the plant dies. When the plant dies, the plants are what hold the shorelines together in marshes, right? And so then you lose marsh. So, and then, of course, if you're uh, in, in shallow waters, it, it causes the oxygen depletion to occur in, and of course, animals need oxygen. So, so suffocation from oxygen depletion, covering and smothering, and toxic effects are the main things. Interestingly, almost all of that occurs during the spill. In other words, we, we, sometimes the damage lasts over uh, a long time, tens of years, but the damage occurs really most of it, 90% of it, during the spill, during the time that it's spilling. So during the summer of 2010 is when most of the environmental damage was done. So can a disaster like this happen again? I mean, have there been any safety precautions put in place since the spill in 2010? Uh, th there's lots of safety precautions. Better blowout preventers. They figured out what went wrong. They've got them strong enough now that if they did hit that that kink in the tubing that it would that it would puncture. They've got new types of devices that can fit on top of a broken blowout preventer and and shut it off. A, a billion dollar devices that will basically fit. So there's lots of of upgrades, but the, the, the sad fact of the matter is that that any uh, human made device can fail. It, it, there's, there's lots of effort to keep that from happening. And, and believe me, an ounce of prevention is worth pounds and pounds of cure, but it can still happen again. Uh, you know, sometimes it's intentional. Uh, in, in, in 1991, for example, when, when Iraq invaded Kuwait and the U.S. said, you got to get out, uh, uh, Kuwait didn't back off. They just, they set all the oil wells on fire purposefully. So there was a massive spill over in the Persian Gulf in 1991, uh, uh, roughly as big as the Deepwater Horizon spill. Uh, it was on land uh, and, and some on the water over there. But, uh, but it was nevertheless, that was an intentional oil spill, which was extremely sad. Uh, and, and what was interesting was that, that BP was very proud of the work that the Deepwater Horizon had done. And, and actually, they had people on the on the rig that day, they were having a, a celebration of a job well done. What? 
well, you know, they, 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 they finish the job on time and on budget. You get a pat on the back out of boy and they were, but they didn't quite check every box. Right. And, and again, I don't know all the details, but they have been thoroughly investigated, but, uh, but it was, it was interesting that they had a delegation that didn't normally live on the rig were out there and uh, they were getting ready to seal the well and move on to the next one. And, and an attaboy when all hell broke loose. Wow. Yeah. uh, You know, don't celebrate early as they say. Don't celebrate early. That's right. (laughs) As we've seen with some of these football teams a couple of weeks ago, (laughs) don't count your record at one team that won in the last 13 seconds. What a a a lesson. (laughs) Um, So, you know, in in the case of the, uh, at the end of the day, if you had to pick a person or thing, it could be a concept uh, that you think is to blame for the catastrophic Deepwater Horizon oil spill. Who or what would that be? Uh, I, again, I'm a, an environmental scientist and not a, 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 an industrial scientist. Uh, they they looked into that. You know, the it wasn't just BP that was operating the well. They they owned the well. They operated. I guess it was leased to another company. Uh, that hired people there and they, they hire a, a, a third company to operate the cement jobs. You know, they, they bring the cement out in boats and put on there. So there was three or four uh, companies involved in this whole process. Uh, and I am certain that there has been a thorough, thorough review of what went wrong. I don't know what it was, but, uh, but uh, Professor Bry, I think at it, uh, Cal Berkeley, uh, led a team that looked into all, looked into what happened and what what could have done, and then and part of that effort is to make recommendations of what not to do, right? But don't celebrate before you're you're successful. That's <laughs> one thing. <laughs> you know what? I, I think you're right. I think that's what ultimately was the biggest uh, mistake that was made. Right. <laughs> that, that's right. So. Well, thank you so much, uh, Professor Overton, for, you know, helping us understand this environmental disaster. I enjoyed uh, sharing some insight about this. It was a horrible incident, but, uh, but you know, we've moved on. Uh, and the Gulf of Mexico is a very strong, resilient body of water. And it's certainly beautiful down there right now. Aw. Well, say hi to the Gulf for us. I certainly will. <laughs> <laughs> 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Alarmist. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. I know I've said this before, but how bad do you want Professor Overton to have been your chemistry teacher or, you know, any kind of teacher at school? I, I could have listened to him talk all day with that like sweet Southern twang. It was so comforting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> truly. Yeah, he was great. And he sounds just, like my, he reminds me of my grandpa. Like that's how my papa early used to talk. Really? Oh, yeah. Aww. <laughs> Aww. How sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought he was awesome. I thought he did, uh, you know. I never, I've never understood oil before. I know. <laughs> like I felt like for the first time I was like, oh, that's what that is. <laughs> right. It's old, it's old birds. It's all right. birds and plants. It's from plants. Plants make this, this the stuff that we're trying to save is made by the stuff that we're trying to right? Sucking right. in all the CO2 and like then it's kind of the other thing that was sort of a light bulb for me was like he was uh he's like it's a natural it's organic. Mm. Yeah. When you think about an oil spill, you think, oh no, this sort of toxic chemical being poured into the environment. But oh right, no, it's just oil from the ground. It's actually <laughs> Organic, it's just like a know. really intense, natural, uh, organic uh, material. Like well, the covering, covering and smothering phrase. It's like right, like, right. But <laughs> even, even what he said was it, it. It was. It's not that the material itself is intense. It's that a lot of it at once right. can be intense mm-hmm. for the environment. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. for me, I had a moment where I was like, "Wait a minute!" When he was talking about the, you know, like the slow release of oil happening off the coast of Santa Barbara or whatever. Right. <laughs> And mm-hmm. like in other, uh, I was like, oh, so we just have like slow oil spills happening yeah. like in the ocean. But like, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's just amazing when you talk to one of these experts, you you sort of, I love this podcast because it's like taking the first class of a bunch of <laughs> every subjects. subjects. 
<laughs> and then you don't have and to never take going on any you don't tests. Have a test. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> it's just learning for enjoyment. It's like showing up to the <laughs> your first day of college and then being like, okay, I graduated. <laughs> But um, yeah. we're going to end up knowing a whole little about a whole lot yeah. versus a whole lot about one little thing. I mean, <laughs> bless. That's why we have experts. Mm-hmm. How about when he was describing the fact that, OK, so like essentially all of our oil has been depleted from the ground, from like land areas. Right. And then we went off to the shore and like, you know, the shallow areas were like, well, we depleted that now. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. now we're just having to go deeper and deeper and deeper into the ocean. Mm. Guys, at some point. Well, that's right. I mean, this is going to end. This is a finite uh, resource, right? It's not unlimited. So that's more, even more important. Like if the stuff that we're having to access is so hard to get because it's deep out in the ocean, and the uh, probability of a spill, which he said himself, it's gonna, it can happen again. Mm-hmm. It, you know, only increases with that risk. It's like, you know, I guess it is. It's not only smart for environmental reasons, but also just like we're gonna run out of this energy source eventually, right? Oh yeah. Like we've got to find other ways to power our power needs. Yeah. Yeah. They they got an off ramp. I mean, we're trying at least, but they they want to get as much. I mean the you know I don't know you got the fracking which isn't even I don't I don't even think those are like reservoirs anymore it's sort of like getting oil out of like smaller reservoirs dirt. which are just cracks and dirt I'm going to have to we're going to have to call Dr. Overton Yeah we should uh, ask, we should do a fracking him. episode <laughs> Yeah we should just so I can I you know it's like one of those words that everyone says they understand or, or ever, you know, it's like thrown around. Yeah, like just now. But do I you just really it around. understand? I have yeah. no idea what do it means. Do you really know no. what that is? Well, I wish I you didn't say that because okay. I would have said I can tell you my educated guess, but that's all it would be. <laughs> um, okay, so what are we thinking? I mean, what, so much more was said. Um, you know, the way he explained how the oil really caused the uh, the deaths of the, um, mm-hmm. the, the birds. You know, species around. Yeah. Um, that was another thing I had no idea, you know. Yeah, you just see the pictures mm-hmm. of the like the birds smothered in oil, smothered yeah, in oil, and you're and just you're like, like, well, of course oh, that he's gonna die, or gonna you, die. you know. <laughs> but it's you like don't this, they're basically how. being like tarred, and I mean they're already feathered, but they're being tarred. It's like they can't, you know, right. it messes with their like thermal whatever system and they're trying to pick it off so that they can regulate their temperature and then they eat it and they die. It's like, they're just suffocated by the covering and smothering, which sounds so Ugh. terrible. Yeah. Oh gosh. Sounds and, brutal. And can we talk about the bombshell that professor Overton dropped towards yes. the end of the interview? Mm-hmm. I mean, they were celebrating on the rig. They were celebrating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? Cake, champagne. Good job, boys. Boom. I mean, talk about bad timing. You know, you think that that would only happen in a movie. If if you wrote someone wrote that into a movie, you'd be like, oh, come on. It'd be a comedic moment. Like, that's the joke. Yeah. Everyone's just like, (laughs) yeah. And then in the background, it all just kind of falls apart. (laughs) (laughs) This wasn't funny. (laughs) This was real life. And oh, my God. I I just can't imagine. it's just so sad because you know that they were they were finishing up it was almost over well no 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 no. well they were they're closing up the well 
What I understood was that they were just starting to pull oil. From no, the oil. they were ready to. They were on their way out. They were going to seal up the the well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chris is going to re-listen to the interview now, <laughs> just real quick. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's just it's a tragic one, uh, and the fact that uh, Professor Overton said that it might be something that that uh, of course can happen again because again, remember we're humans. Like, well, you know, I had a thought along those lines when uh-huh. he was saying that the way that they, you know, he was amazed that they did it in three months versus six, which like, you know, from an expert perspective, that's interesting to think because everybody else was like, why is it taking so long? And he's like, no, that was actually pretty fast. But the fact that they are able to drill, a, like the way they fix it was drilling another well to like pump in cement. My thought was, should we as another safety precaution already have this pre-drilled second well nearby so that if something mm. goes wrong with the first one, it's ready to go and we just get that cement right down there. Interesting. And my 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 guess would be that's way too expensive oh, is what the executives would yeah, say. Yeah. Just yeah. in case. And it's They'd like, rather well, take the risk, I'm sure, of there being an oil spill. And uh that would be my guess. Or maybe yeah. that's just not who knows, but I would be curious to know, well, how much does it cost to drill a backup thing that you never use versus paying out people and everyone for environmental cleanup? Right, right. My guess is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, a millions? lot of money regardless. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's over $100. Uh, <laughs> if it's over $100, they're not going to go for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we think here? Um, what did we end up sending to the alarmist jail, Clayton? We threw the uh, we threw BP, the owner right. of the oil in jail, and we gave the big slap to a lack of maintenance. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think just based on our research and the you know the stuff, the findings we had, I, I think the responsibility still falls under BP. Yeah, I mean, they were operating, they were operating the rig. Yeah. And or they own the rig. I mean, they're the ones who hired the people to operate it and hire the contracts to support the concrete. And there are the people who, as we already know, paid out millions and millions and millions of dollars in settlements to people to correct and clean up. So it's like Yeah. I mean, it's like the oil that was three miles underneath the the surface of the uh, uh, below the surface of the ocean wasn't begging for you to drill it, right? No. Mm. They weren't. Do we know that for sure? (laughs) We don't. So I guess we can't. We don't know that oil personally, so we cannot. (laughs) Oh, my God. We should have asked Dr. Overton if he knows that oil personally. Yeah. Does he know that oil well? Please. Please. No. Um, So, okay. So I feel good about, you know, just uh, keeping that verdict. And, of course, if new information pops up. We here at The Alarmist always are happy to change our verdict. Learn mm-hmm. more, change what you think. Uh, it's the way it's the way of The Alarmist. Yeah, <laughs> you know, great. and even just hearing about the end of the the party, the well job one done, like part of me just feels like like hubris, just like as a concept alone. Oh, yeah. Like deserves a place, right? Like BP feeling confident enough that, oh yeah, we can drill three miles deep to get this oil and we can have a party to celebrate a job well done. It's just like, oh, that that hubris really just kind of bitch in the bum. Yes. And the the fact that as humans, we're like, we can 
you know, the, the magnitude of the devices that we've created in order to extract oil out fr- from underneath the, the surface, right, mm-hmm. is that's hubris in and of itself, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just that, feels like a... Those aren't recyclable, you know? You kind of, those are um, permanent structures that... Uh, I wonder if you could repurpose that, make a little uh, water park or something out there. <laughs> the rig, <laughs> the actual. You can move yeah. rigs. You can move them once they're done. Pop them up, move them around. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, turn it into a cruise ship. <laughs> no. So maybe oil. I mean, cruise no, I'm rig, sure you, you, they use them for other. You know, this isn't Drilling. the only. <laughs> it's they don't throw it out once. You know. Right. That'd be a huge waste. <laughs> Um, okay, well, you know, again, thank you to Dr. Overton for, you know, being such an excellent teacher and, mm-hmm. you know, giving us a, a crash course over here on oil. Um, and cl- before we go, Clayton, how are we doing with our reviews? Jeez, oh, there was a sigh in there. Yep. I, I'm just, you know, this is the thing that keeps the engine. This is the alarmist it's our oil. oil. Yeah, <laughs> it keeps us running, and if we run out of 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 this oil, then we are not going to be able to continue um, running running the the engine. Maybe we need some cleaner alternatives to our our fuel source. Well, you know, sadly, I don't know what that would be. <laughs> no, sadly, this is this is the engine we chose uh, to to run the show. So I we might be st- unless we're you know gonna. I, I don't know. We're going to have to look into some uh, other experts before we do that. But Clayton. I, won- I wonder. It's, so here's the thing. There's nothing just at first glance that's immediately new from on the reviews. But I wonder if we task people with writing a specific review on something. Okay. That maybe they'll feel more compelled to be like, okay, yeah, I'll come. I'll have an opinion on that. Okay. You know what? What I would like to know is what is your favorite uh, topic that we've covered? Mm, okay, that's great. So, yeah, what's resonated with people the most, or what's like, yeah, what has popped up in their brain when they're having a conversation with a group of friends yeah. after listening and to the episode I'm also more than once? Curious what what genre of topic too? Do you guys like the old history stuff? Do you like the sort of funner stuff that we do, like uh, entertainment stuff that we do? You know, I'm kind of curious where people what people like because I know what we like to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, All of it, Brad and Angelina. Oh, J Lo, sure. Ben Affleck, breaking up. Uh, wait, but, wait, what? <laughs> the first time. Um, first time. Okay. But uh, but yeah, I'm just curious what everyone thinks about genre. Okay, yeah, let us know. I I'm very curious what what your favorite um, episode um, has been. And uh, write in, subscribe, rate, review, do it all. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell your coworkers. Tell your uh, uh, the the people on the bus, mm-hmm. uh, everyone. <laughs> Just yell the alarmist. <laughs> yeah, don't explain. That's Just right. freak them out. And stay tuned because next week we're going to be discussing the Tillicum murders. Erios. Powered by ACAST.